Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Just a couple of weeks ago, we had Dr. Jason Fleming. He is the Medical Director for Emergency Services at Kuakini Medical Center in the studio. And we were talking about COVID and how that's changed the practice of what we do in the emergency room and who needs to be in the ER and who maybe doesn't necessarily need to stay there, which is always delightful. Now, that being said, if you do have something that happens, what are the types of emergencies that require the care of a specialist like Dr. Fleming? And what are some of the ways we could try and prevent those? You know, this is summertime. We do see that sometimes people are enjoying the outdoors more than ever. And there's a couple of things that maybe we could do to prevent having to wind up being sick enough to require being in the ER. I know there's a new initiative for some of the Kapuna to work on balance to try and prevent falls and accidents and hip fractures and and all sorts of different things that can happen. But, you know, common things are common. And I'd be really curious, outside of the COVID that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, what are the most common reasons people come to the ER? People come to the emergency department uh, for a variety of reasons. But I would say the most prevalent ones are either they've had an injury and that injury needs to be treated right now, needs to be seen by a doctor, Uh, or they've got pain or some other symptom that's so concerning to them for whatever reason, it's severe or it's out of the ordinary, that they want to get evaluated now because they're worried that this could be the sign of something more ominous. So let's talk about injuries first. You know, we just, Fourth of July comes around, people invariably want to enjoy, celebrate. They may they may participate in fireworks or setting off some of their own or barbecues or all sorts of fun family activities. And sometimes those things can be done really well and safe and have no problems. But what sort of injuries do you see in an ER when it doesn't go as planned? Sure. On holidays like the 4th of July, we have this long tradition in Hawaii that has to do with uh, getting people together, families get together, friends. Uh, there's sometimes long parties that go you know, way into the early morning hours. And uh, over the years, there's been a lot of fireworks, firecrackers, uh, uh, those sort of things that uh, we, we and our families uh, really have fond memories of. So we see it time and time again. And from the emergency department standpoint, we see three things come out of holidays like this. One is injuries, injuries related to fireworks and firecrackers, of course, sometimes other injuries related to people maybe drinking a little too much alcohol, twisting their ankle, falling down, hitting their head. All of that uh, is sort of under this umbrella of injuries. Second thing that we see is Uh, that people who have pre-existing lung conditions like asthma or COPD, chronic bronchitis, reactive airway disease, folks who deal with that have a particularly tough time on holidays like this when there's a lot of smoke in the air. That can trigger their uh, respiratory symptoms and even, in some cases, cause them to need to come to the emergency department for more intense treatment. The third thing that we see is a result of the gathering of people in these pandemic conditions that we see a week or two after these parties, an elevation in the prevalence of COVID or other respiratory symptoms uh, and diseases like flu and so forth. Um, We'll see that in the weeks to come. So uh, we just need to keep those things in mind so that we can have a safe and happy holiday. Well, and you mentioned uh, a couple of things. Injuries, you know, by accidents happen. 
By definition, it's an accident. We never really wanted that to happen. But there are certain things that can make people more likely to have certain types of accidents. You mentioned drinking and sometimes falling. Uh, Then also explosive devices, you know. I mean, be careful and try not to to have kids play with matches and lighters and other sorts of things. Have parental supervision and have the parent know what to do and make sure that they're doing things in a careful fashion as well. You know, I always think about the poor people who can't breathe. I've had maybe one bad episode of bronchitis that was maybe even bordering on pneumonia a few years back. And I got to tell you, I had a completely new level of sympathy for anybody who has a breathing problem. When you try and take a deep breath and you feel like you can't because either you're coughing or you just feel like your airway's constricted, there is nothing like that. And if you feel it and you need help, you're you're just it's this horrible feeling of dread when you can't breathe and for some folks you know an inhaler doesn't fix it they need they need nebulizers or they need oxygen or something only an emergency room can provide so you know i remember years ago particularly around like new years i had a colleague of mine who said they would always tell their patients go to the movies at midnight go see something or whenever the fireworks would be go be in an air-conditioned, filtered air environment to help yourself. There's always that possibility. And these days, there's masks. So, you know, if you're really concerned, you can make sure, even if you're at a family gathering, you're wearing a mask because that's okay for everybody else not to if they're safe and they're okay. But if you want to keep yourself from getting sick and you have a lung condition, you can be the person wearing a mask. That's, I think these days that's much more common than we might think. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, we've we've all sort of become more wise and we've grown up a lot over the last two years with this pandemic. And it we shouldn't have a second thought about putting on a mask or we shouldn't feel uncomfortable just because somebody next to us puts on their mask. Uh, you know, the, we we all come to this pandemic with uh, our own set of conditions. Our, you know, each family has its own risk profile. And everybody has the responsibility to make these choices for themselves, the very best choices to keep yourself and your family safe. And if that means wearing a mask, hey, great. That's what we want you to do. If it means excusing yourself and going to see a midnight movie because you're going to be in an air-conditioned environment that's sealed off from all the smoke so that when you come out of that great movie, uh, the trade winds have blown the smoke cloud a little bit off to sea and you have fresh air again, hey, that's a brilliant solution. Uh, to get yourself out of harm's way. And they have recliners now. I think it's fabulous. I mean, it used to be those kind of uncomfortable movie seats. But now a lot of theaters have these really nice recliners. You put your feet up. You know, you can get food. They have more than just popcorn. And, I mean, you can go full on enjoy yourself now. It's a great experience now. Some places even have gourmet food you can order. Yeah, I mean, hey, that sounds great. Gourmet food. I don't have to try and sneak it in my purse and uh, bring what I really like. So there you go. I've just targeted myself at all theaters. But, I mean, again, I think it's a great idea to sort of find a way to get out of the environment. Now, you know, you mentioned earlier that sometimes things happen. You could trip. You could fall. You could hit your head. Sometimes if people hit their head and they don't lose consciousness and they feel okay and they're they're fine, they don't have to seek ER care. But Certain people might still need to. What are sort of some of the danger signs of if you hit your head and you have these particular problems, go get checked out? Sure. You know, 
it's never good to hit your head. Let's all agree on that. And um, Agreed. Goal, I won't hit my head. The okay. goal should be to try to prevent yourself from hitting your head. But uh, there are certain populations, certain features that people can have that will make them at particular risk when they hit their head. And what are we talking about as the risk? We're talking about bleeding in or around the brain or fractures of the skull or those bones that are around the skull and the face and so forth. So who would be at particular risk for those conditions, which would be true emergencies? Well, it would be folks who uh, are uh, at advanced age, senior citizens, because as we age, we know our bones get more brittle. Also, the the stuff that is the brain, the brain parenchyma, shrinks as we age, which means that the brain is more susceptible to forces uh, of blunt trauma. It can cause tiny tears or uh, or leaks in the blood vessels around the brain, and that can lead to an emergency condition. Also, the younger you are, you may be at increased risk. So head injuries in the youngest among us can be riskier than um, for you know adults in middle age. So um, the best thing to do if you've hit your head first is uh, to see how you feel. You know, first, am I okay? What just happened? Am I okay? Am I thinking clearly? Is my vision okay? You know, just take an inventory. Use your own personal uh, imaginary stethoscope to, to examine yourself briefly and see if you're functioning normally. And if so, that's a great sign. Uh, the next step is, uh, do you have a headache? How bad is the pain? If you have uh, a little bit of a sore head after you hit your head, that may not be out of the ordinary. But if you have a headache that's unusual or is worsening with time, those can be clues that something more dangerous is going on. The bottom line, though, is that if you're worried, because you're the only person in uh, on this island that knows exactly how you feel, if you're worried about this, there's no substitute for going to the emergency department and getting evaluated by the team who's trained to do this every day. And if you're on blood thinners, it's a must. Right. I got to tell you. Absolutely. So so we see uh, so many complications of blood thinners. And I know that, that the physicians who start blood thinners on patients go through an entire uh, list of risks and benefits. And that everybody who's on a blood thinner is on it for a very, very good reason. Because these are... These are uh, dangerous, maybe is not the right word, but certainly serious. consequential, yeah, very serious, medicine, right? serious medicines. And uh, if you hit your head and you're on one of those, it increases the risk of bleeding. And so we sometimes the only way to be certain is to come to the emergency department and have a test called a CT scan or a CAT scan. That's like a fancy x-ray uh, that generates images on the screen like slices through a loaf of bread. And the doctors can have a look at that and see right away whether there's bleeding in or around your brain or not. And if there is not, then we typically can breathe a sigh of relief, give you some great instructions about why to return to the emergency department, and then let you go home uh, to recover in a comfortable environment. All right, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and you're listening to The Body Show. When we come back, we're going to continue our discussion with Dr. Jason Fleming, Kuikini's Medical Director of Emergency Services, and we're going to talk some more about what are the other signs that you need to be checked out in case you might have fallen, maybe not just hit your head. What about your back or your hips or your ankles? How would you know if that's a problem? We'll be right back. Stay with us.
Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here with Dr. Jason Fleming, the Medical Director for Emergency Services at Kuakini Medical Center. And we're talking today about what happens that requires emergency care. So right before the break, we were talking a little bit about when you hit your head. So don't hit your head. But if it happens, and it does for a lot of folks accidentally, if you're on blood thinners, be extra careful. And I wanted to mention... You know, some blood thinners, the Xarelto, the Eliquis, the Pradaxa, certainly Warfarin or Coumadin, those are some serious ones people definitely know they're on a blood thinner. But, you know, you have to be extra careful even if you're just taking something like aspirin. That's right. Aspirin is given for a variety of reasons. Uh, It turns out it's a great medicine to reduce your risk of heart attack and stroke in a great many number of people. Uh, but one of the ways it does that is by preventing your platelets from what's called aggregating or starting to stick together. Since aspirin prevents that from happening, that gives you a benefit when what you're doing is trying to prevent heart attack or stroke, which happens when a tiny blood clot forms in a, in a blood vessel in your brain or in your heart. But if you experience trauma and bleeding... Uh, then that effect of the aspirin causes there to be more bleeding. It causes uh, the platelets to not be able to do their job internally of stopping that bleeding, and that can lead to uh, dangerous conditions that require emergency evaluation and sometimes even surgery. Yeah, I know that you know, we used to tell everybody over a certain age, take a baby aspirin, keep heart attacks and strokes away. And studies have shown that as you get older, that's actually the potential benefit may not be as great as the potential risk for certain individuals. Always a good idea. Talk with your provider. Find out. If you have certain conditions, maybe you need to avoid the aspirin, and maybe it's not such a great idea. It can also cause some stomach troubles as well, but that's usually not trauma-related. So keep an eye on your medicines and your blood thinners and, well, don't have an accident. But what if you fall and you don't necessarily hit your head, but, you know, we always have some folks who wind up Falling down, most common location from what I can tell is usually bathroom or or if you're getting in and out of a height like a car or going up and down the stairs. How would you know if you fell down, if you broke your ankle or broke your hip? What are the signs? Sure. Well, the first sign would be pain. Uh, when you have a broken bone, there are nerve receptors on the surface of the bone that will fire and give your brain a message that something is wrong in that area. Next thing is you can look at the area. Uh, with your eyes, because you might see something abnormal about the way this looks now. Maybe one leg is now shorter than the other. Maybe there's a twist or a bend in a limb that wasn't there before. Maybe there's a whole lot of swelling that's happened pretty quickly. Those would all be signs that something is abnormal in that area. Could be a bone. Um, and uh, the next thing is, you know, are if if those things are not so bad. You can try to move your limb just to see how that goes and even try to bear a little weight on that limb if it's your ankle or your knee or something and you're thinking about it. These are all sort of a stepwise uh, method of testing yourself, your own function, to see the extent to which things are operating normally. If you can't bear weight on it, it's not possible. It's too painful. Or if you notice that there's a deformity, like a bend that shouldn't be there in one of your limbs, then those are signs that uh, something more serious could be going on and uh, a good reason to go to the emergency department. When you get to the emergency department, we are primarily trying to figure out um, the answer to one question, not whether you're injured. We can tell you're injured. We all agree that. Uh, We're trying to figure out whether this is a bony injury or a soft tissue injury. 
A bony injury would be like a broken bone or a bone moved out of place, a dislocation. Soft tissue injury would be like a sprain or a strain or a contusion, a bruise. Um, because if we can determine which of those it is, then we can tell you what to expect. What needs to be done about this? Is it going to get better on its own in a couple of weeks? Or are you going to need a splint or a cast and to see a specialist about this? And the way we determine the answer to that question is with an x-ray. And for most x-rays, you can look at them yourself and you could identify if there's a problem or not. Because some things are obvious, broken bones. For most situations, you know, you see a separation. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, getting x-rays in the emergency department is a very common thing. We do it every day. Our physicians are trained to uh, have a look at those x-rays and make determinations, not just on the image itself, but we have the advantage over some of our very well-trained radiology colleagues in the sense that we can see you, the patient. We know exactly where your pain is. And so we can focus on that spot. We know the story you've told us about how you got injured, and we can match that to the image. And if there's ever a question, which, which sometimes happens, sometimes there isn't a definitive answer today, then the best thing to do uh, for us is to treat it as if there's a broken bone there. We'll put you in a, a splint or half cast uh, and give you instructions on how to follow up or return for repeat images later. Now, one of the things that I've had a couple of patients get surprised about, but when when we've explained it, then they completely understood, is if you have a fractured wrist, for example, or a fractured leg, you don't necessarily want to cast a big, swollen, out-of-place fracture because that needs to have the swelling go down. You could potentially cause more harm if you put somebody in a tight cast immediately. So part of the treatment may be a splint, and it's not meant to be as as definite as a cast because... If it's really swollen, you can't do that. We know how the body naturally reacts to a broken bone or a sprain. We know that uh, it's going to take a couple of days at least for the swelling to kind of balloon up and then gradually go down. What you don't want to have happen during that phase of the injury is to have a cast go all the way around the limb. Because if you can imagine that cast wrapping all the way around the limb, uh, then what's going to happen is as the swelling uh, increases inside, it's going to increase the pressure inside your limb. And that pressure increase can cause damage to the nerves, the blood vessels, and even the soft tissues, muscles, tendons, and so forth. Uh, So we are trained uh, in the acute phase of the injury to put a half cast on. Uh, like a splint. That's what we call it. So that would be like half of it is hard and then the rest is wrapped around with an ace wrap. This is done intentionally because it immobilizes your injured part, but it also allows that injured limb to expand. It's a little more fussy and delicate than a cast. Sure, you don't want to get it wet and sometimes you try to prevent it from getting dirty and so forth. Um, But the advantage of doing it that way is we do no harm. Uh, We keep you out of harm's way uh, with respect to this swelling inside the cast issue. All right. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about when emergency surgery would be needed and what would be some ways that you might be able to determine if that's the case if you have a big injury at home. We'll be right back. Stay with us.
Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here with Dr. Jason Fleming. He's the Medical Director of Emergency Services at Kuakini Medical Center. And we're talking about some things you can do at home and what to expect if you wind up in the emergency room. Now, we just talked a little bit about why people might get a splint if they injure an ankle or a foot or a wrist. But then there's that whole issue about the hips. You know, I do worry some of our older folks... They may have pre-existing conditions like osteoporosis, and then they may have some balance concerns. And if they fall on their hip too often, there's a serious fracture. Yeah, that's so true. Our kupuna are precious to us. Uh, in our community, we revere them, we respect them, uh, and we have an obligation to care for them and look out for them. As we age, our body gets more and more fragile with time. And our bones get more and more brittle. That's a condition called osteoporosis. And that puts us at ever-increasing risk for bony injuries like fractures if we were to fall. One of the most common serious fractures in senior citizens is a hip fracture. That happens because when we fall, our body mechanics tend to dictate that we fall in a certain way. Uh, that includes sort of how we trip or slip and fall and then what our body does as it's falling to the ground. And and our our instincts or our reflexes are designed to try to prevent our head from hitting the ground. So we often sort of twist or put our hands out or, or these kinds of instinctive maneuvers. Um, but one feature, a result of all of that is that our hip can contact the ground early in that fall and bear the brunt of the force of the fall. Uh, so uh, shrinking body mass with age, shrinking bone mass with age, coupled with the force of a fall to the floor, often leads to a broken hip. And in pretty much every scenario that I can think of, that requires some type of surgical repair. That's right. I mean, our, our orthopedic surgeons, who are the types of specialists that deal with this sort of thing, are very, very good at um, determining the risks and benefits of this particular procedure. And the studies are pretty clear that even uh, if you're not a marathoner or you're going out and walking around the mall all the time, even if you're, you're relatively um, uh, sedentary in your lifestyle, that the outcomes are better with early surgical repair of a hip fracture. So you're right. The vast majority of hip fractures in senior citizens, even those who are already um, you know, in a medically or physically fragile state, are going to be treated with uh, repair of that hip fracture with surgery because it gives them the very best chance of prolonging their life and increasing the quality of that prolonged life. Yeah, I remember statistics years ago that if you're old enough to injure your hip and have a fracture and you you know 50% of those people may never walk the same way again they may walk but they might need a cane or a walker or something and some of those folks uh who they may never get up and be able to ambulate at all if they have a serious problem they're very medically fragile surgery is done but they still have a complicated recovery it's not like you just go in there put it back together and boom you're up and going there's a prolonged process of recovery that takes place with that. And not everybody has the strength and the physical ability to, uh, to overcome that. That's right. It can be a long road. Um, but, you know, as it relates to sort of making the decision of uh, whether to have that surgery or not, if you have a broken hip, 
the best chance you have for recovery is to get on that road to recovery as soon as possible. So typically at our hospital, our orthopedic surgeons who are fantastic at this, uh, they specialize in this sort of traumatic injuries, and we see a lot of hip fractures. They will try to book that surgery as early as possible, sometimes even that same day. And I can share with you that my father-in-law actually had this happen to him at Kuakini. He was brought to Kuakini, had a hip fracture. We called the orthopedic surgeon. Um, and, and I had to leave the hospital and take care of my family a little bit, put things in place. When I returned to the hospital, he was already out of surgery. Wow. The total surgery time in the OR was under an hour. So these orthopedic surgeons are so good now. The techniques have evolved. The, the equipment that they use have evolved. And their skills have evolved to the point where uh, they've minimized the surgical risk and maximized the potential to, to get better as soon as possible. Excellent to know. And if if you do have those risks for falls, you know, it's never too late to take a look around your environment and see what could potentially contribute to that. That's right. So many falls that we see in senior citizens are preventable, which is the sad thing about it, that uh, with simple changes, we can all reduce our risk of falling at home. So examples of this would be um, rugs. People are always tripping over their rugs. Uh, and it, you can imagine why that's easy to do. You, you clip it with your toe or you um, even folks who use a walker or a cane, they might run into that uneven surface in their home without realizing it or recognizing it. And down they go. Wet floors. That's another classic reason for people to fall. So we see lots of falls in the bathroom because there's a lot of water there. You're getting in and out of the tub. These are all moments that are high risk getting into or out of a bathtub, for example. So just pause for a moment. Make sure you've got a handhold on something. Make sure you're ready to steady yourself if you just have that split second where you're off balance because that that really can make all the difference. And that that type of behavior where you're just pausing for a moment to make sure that you're safe before you proceed can mean the difference between needing to have hip surgery and just going through the next few years without that kind of injury. Well, and I always tell people, take a look around your environment and assess because you might find that, you know, the handicapped. I remember one time I was staying in a hotel and they had some some grab bars around. I'm like, OK, so I have a grab bar. I'm never going to need it. And then I was in the bathroom and I almost slipped and I grabbed the bar. I'm like, I'm really glad that bar was there. So, you know, take a look at your environment. Look at the most common areas where accidents could happen and make sure it's safe. And don't be ashamed. You know, you might be you might not be the Kapuna age, but that doesn't mean you can't have it happen to you. That's exactly right. I mean, people get injured in the blink of an eye, and then it takes a whole lot longer, typically, to recover from that injury. So the best way to treat these injuries is to never have to undergo them in the first place and to just pause, just take a little bit of time, go a little bit slower, and that can keep you safe and out of harm's way. Well, and I really liked the idea of just take a moment, pause when you first get up. And particularly as we get older, sometimes the blood pressure doesn't rise to the way that it should when you stand up, or there might be some other reason why you may not have your balance. I like to tell a lot of patients, if you if you get up off of a chair, don't carry your bag with you. Just get yourself up and then pick up your bag so that you can restore your balance before you do that. Lots of little reasons why people, if they just took a tiny little bit more time and, and really tried to prevent it. Unfortunately, they don't wind up, luck, fortunately, they don't have an injury and they don't have to see you, although I know you would take such wonderful care of them and uh, do such a great job in the ER. 
Thanks very much. I mean, nobody wants to be looking up at one of our faces in the emergency department today. I recognize that. But we've got a great team of folks. We're just thrilled to take care of people who need us. All right. Well, thank you again to Dr. Jason Fleming for part two of our emergency room discussion. He is the medical director of emergency services at Kuakini Medical Center. And if you need him, he's there ready to help take care of you. All right. If you'd like to hear this show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org. Follow the links to The Body Show. You can also find us on the HPR app. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. And we will see you next week right here on Monday when we talk more about ways to stay healthy right here on The Body Show. We'll see you then.